Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Ancham at Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion, Lech Lecha, Abraham and the lessons that we would do well to learn from 13-year-olds. When you were growing up, were you a rebellious child? Yeah, you know, I was the firstborn, so usually the firstborn is conformist, and I was very eager to please my parents, but I was also, you know, born in 64, I saw the hippies, I saw the protests against Vietnam, and my mom very early on was active in trying to save our school from being uh, closed and was picketing out in front of our school. And I think that made a deep and powerful impression on me. I, I made signs for her for her protest. And then I, I became a bit of a rebel in school too. Um, I remember organizing the school choir until we were allowed to choose our own songs. I thought it was ridiculous that the children didn't get to choose the songs that the choir would perform. And I organized a petition drive and, a, and some other, you know, acts of rebellion. Um, so I think I, I have been inclined to rebel a little bit. Well, that's impressive. Did you overturn, um, over the river and through the woods? We got to do one song of our own and we chose Kung Fu Fighting. <laughs> it was an excellent choice looking back on it. Um, I, I'm not sure that this protest was worth, uh, worth it, but okay. <laughs> the reason I asked you that question is because this morning, this week, I should say, we are meeting the first Jewish iconoclast, and that's Abraham. And what we see in the Torah is that Abraham is willing to follow God's command to separate himself from the larger society and separate himself from the mores of the world in which he lives and to set a new path, which is a very powerful statement about Abraham that he is not a conformist, but a nonconformist. But moreover, we meet Abraham when God says to Abraham, Lech lecha, go forth from your land. Abraham's 75 years old. He's not a youngster. And the Torah doesn't tell us what Abraham's early life was like, what he'd lived 75 years, and, and what merited Abraham to be chosen by God. And so the rabbis use the Midrash. They use this remarkable canvas to create stories, to fill in the spaces, to make Abraham's early life come alive in this particular case. And they tell the story, it's a very famous story, about Abraham and his father, Terach, and that Terach owned an idol shop. Of course, you know, Abraham's the first monotheist. His father owns an idol shop. So it's not as though he's getting this from his father. He actually has to break away from his own family in order to fly the monotheistic flag. Anyway, Abraham's father goes to lunch and leaves uh, this young Avram, who's, by the way, the rabbis say is 13 years old. And Abraham knows idol worship is ridiculous and wants to impress on his father that monotheism is the only way. And so what he does is he takes a hammer and he breaks all of the idols except the largest one and leaves the hammer in the idol, large idol's hands. And when his father comes back from uh, his lunch break and finds his entire business is in ruins, he goes to Avram and says, what have you done? Avram said, I didn't do anything. A woman came in while you were gone. She left a sacrifice for one of the other idols smaller one, and they got in a fight. They all wanted the sacrifice. And at the end, the uh, biggest one took a hammer and shattered them all. The father said, that's ridiculous. These idols can't speak, they can't hear, and they certainly can't fight amongst themselves. So you did this. And so then Abraham then says to his father, you know, it's true. But Father, you must understand that there's only one God. And then he offers this long speech, and his father comes to terms with this. 
So what do you think of that story? Let's just start there. Well, first of all, I think it's really interesting that we have to have a story to explain what makes someone rebel. And um, if you look back, you know, throughout history and you look at, at, at the great men and women who have changed the world, very often they have an origin story and very often it's fabricated. Very often it's something that they come up with to try to create a moral that explains why they were energized, why they were moved to fight. And I find that fascinating because as a biographer, my job is to figure out what was the trigger that made this person think that he or she could be special, what made this person think that he or she could actually change the world as opposed to just going with the flow like most of us do most of the time. And I find that even if those stories are false, even if they concocted this story to try to make sense of their autobiography, the stories still have meaning. They still tell us something about that person's state of mind. And it strikes me that this story is not one that Abraham himself made up. The rabbis concocted it for him, but maybe it still tells us something about Abraham's state of mind. What made Abraham think that he could do this, that he had a right to do this? Well, why do you think people feel this need to create an origin story at all? I think we try to make sense of our lives. Our brains are wired for stories. So if somebody says, to you, what made you become a rabbi? Even if it's circumstantial, even if it's a million things that went into making that happen, you need to have a story that you can tell about it, not just for the sake of convenience, but just, I think, to, to give order to the universe. So going back to Abraham for a minute, the story that the rabbis tell isn't a random story, and it doesn't, and it goes beyond just teaching about monotheism. The story that the rabbis tell is a story about the positive nature of being a rebel, which I think is interesting, that we normally think that Judaism is all about conformity, but actually it's about nonconformity. And Abraham, Moses, all of our great leaders are nonconformists. They will go against the flow. They will argue for the right things. And in a way, the, the fact that Abraham is 13 years old, according to the rabbis, is a very powerful statement about listening to the young listening to younger people who are not only experimenting with ideas and rebelling, but the questions that younger people are asking are questions worthy of our consideration, and they can change a society. I, I like that, and I also like the fact that, you know, children see the world in sort of cleaner moral lines than adults do sometimes. And maybe that's why so many of these origin stories are stories of youth. You know, Martin Luther King told the story of a boy who lived in the neighborhood who, when he was three years old, they started playing together. When they were six years old, the boy who was white went to a different school and they weren't allowed to be friends anymore. And when he went and asked his parents, why won't the white boy play with me? They explained all of racism to him and told him about slavery and reconstruction and Jim Crow laws. And this was his moment of awakening, and he said he, he vowed to hate white people from that moment on. And it probably never happened, based on my research, <laughs> but it's a story of a childhood, you know, shattered, the illusion of, of childhood being shattered and the innocence falling away from someone's eyes. You know, Voltaire once said that simple things are either or, complicated things are either and or. And it seems to me that when we're younger, the world is divided between either or. But as we get older, we understand the world in a more nuanced way and we bring in historical precedents. We also look at a multiplicity of factors, including economics. And so things become either and or, but what the either and or does for us or does to us 
is it makes us more accepting of things that we shouldn't be accepting of and makes us a little more fatalistic and uh, willing to say that, well, this is all the way it's always been and therefore it can't change. And that's problematic. And you see that in our own world today, so deeply pronounced. Now, I'm not here to advocate the Green New Deal or advocate against the Green New Deal, but when a world where we are suffering with forest fires and we're suffering with climate change, shouldn't we be listening to our younger people at a time like this? When a time when there's, when racial justice is on the forefront, shouldn't we be listening more carefully to uh, younger people who see the world maybe in a more black and white way? And I think an important and refreshing way. Yeah. And the and or the either and or suggests that there is an alternative, that there is an opportunity to try, even if you don't know the answer to the either or, the and suggests that you can take action and try to shape or try to get closer to truly knowing the truth. That's where the real action comes into place. Yeah. What do you often hear people saying to younger people? Well, you should grow up a little bit and you'll see that these ideas are naive. But it is the naivete of right and wrong, of good and bad, that motivates the prophets, that motivates Abraham, that motivates Moses to strike down the Egyptian taskmaster, that motivates people like Isaiah and Jeremiah to speak out, and people like Heschel and out throughout history to be the iconoclasts. And the iconoclasts are often the ones that we remember in the end, not the followers, but the ones that we remember. And that's what we're really celebrating the Shabbat in the first Jewish iconoclast, the first Jew is the one who goes against the tide. Yeah, and those are often younger people. Perhaps that naivete is necessary to think that you can change the world. But Abraham is different. He's 75, although given how long he lives, maybe, you know, he still qualifies as, as young. The question is, what was Abraham waiting for? Why did he wait till he was 75 to, to get off his rear end? I think he needed to be called by God. But the fact that he's called by God and that he can hear God and is open to the call, but then responds makes all the difference. And maybe God was waiting for that one person who would be open to God's message and who would actually respond with Hineni, I'm here, I'm ready to go. Now, there are a thousand and one reasons why Abraham shouldn't have gone. Imagine you have like a, an uncle in your family and you hear that he and his wife, your aunt, who are, by the way, 75 and 65, decided that they're going to go and follow this God and by the way, this God has also promised them that they're going to have children, even at this older age, and you know, they leave everything behind. They pack up and they just begin to follow. You can only imagine the conversations in your family, right? But they, but they did it. They did it. They go against the tide. And I think that that's a lesson we should be taking forward. Not just Abraham at 75, but Abraham at 13 are worth listening to. I'm always intrigued by the rebel stories and the iconoclast. This is obviously... A really great one that we can uh, we can study. Well, I think I think Abraham is the rebel with a cause. <laughs> yeah, well done. Take care.